I'm going to just bring on our guest for the second half because he is an absolute legend of South African comedy. He's, he's been in a number of TV shows. He's been in a number of adverts. Uh, he's also a bit of a dickhead. Ladies and gentlemen, the wonderful Chris Forrest. That was very enthusiastic. That, the guys behind the bar have been clapping all week. It's uh, <laughs> they've been practicing that shit for days. Yeah, it's, it's very good, good guys. Thank you. <laughs> all right, good. That's a nice good. way to start so, the podcast. Uh, I hope it doesn't go downhill from here. So far, I think it's going very well. Hey? <laughs> yeah, yeah, good job. All right, well, you, um, you know, you're one of the, the the original kind of comedian. You started right back in the day, right? Like you started. When people were still doing drugs in comedy, right? Wait, there were some people doing drugs. Yeah, the, yeah. You, you don't want to give anything away, no, but it wasn't give, you. It wasn't me. Some I'm of the a, comedians. I'm were, addicted to life. Yeah, some of the comedians were, were also having sex again, not you. Well, well I was having <laughs> sex. I just by myself. But, uh, <laughs> you're looking at me like you've never knocked one out. So this guy in the audience is just giving me that judgy look like my mom always used to give me when she found me. But like as if he's never gone home and, you know, touched Captain Stinky there. <laughs> good, good, fantastic. Sorry, this it got very weird very quickly. I know, I know. Either that or he was picturing me knocking one out, because whatever it was, <laughs> the know, look on his face was not, a, not one of approval. He does, he does look excited, I'll give him that. Uh, like, you know, if I pictured you naked, I would, I would have a totally different reaction. Yes, but that's because you've seen it before, so... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I should never have uh, left that window open. Um. <laughs> Good. Okay. Um, look, the thing is, this uh, this is this is a weird gig, right? This is a, a kind of a strange thing. It's a it's a different type of a, a, an environment. But you're you're no stranger to to weird gigs. Some of my favorite stories you tell me are about like your weirdest your weirdest gigs. I've had a lot of weird gigs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one of the, one of my first gigs. When I, I my very first hosting job was at a place called Blueberry Grill in, in oh that uh, was a spectacular gig that's right in Arten Kailami and Blueberry Grill was mentioned Blueberry Grill was mentioned in the book Killing Kebble because like you know there were some serious guys that used to hang out there serious that kind of criminal they actually types. remember you asked um, Gilly if she'd killed anyone that was that was how you got in have you murdered <laughs> somebody yes you have well then you can come in yeah that was that was that was a proper tough gig that yeah. and then. The one day there was a guy there, and he was a he was a young kind of foys butt guy, clearly a gym guy, and he was and he was in the front. And Chris and I were both on stage uh, that night, and I was hosting. And this guy was there with his girlfriend and her parents, and at some and I just and he kept talking throughout the show, so I kept making fun of him. And at some point he just stood up and he went, "You say one more word, and I'm going to fuck you up." And I'm hosting, so I said, "Well, uh, you're going to have to fuck me up because I'm hosting, and I need to bring on the headline act." So I went, uh, "Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Forrest, I'm going backstage to get fucked up." Because he darted backstage. And uh, Chris came out, and I went backstage, and, and I, I couldn't find the guy. I didn't know where he was. And I turned around like this, and he came out from behind a bookshelf. And he, 
and he rugby tackled me into the bathroom. There, there were and two then, of them. Then, I, I have to also point that out. It was him and his mate. Yeah, and then but you probably couldn't see because there was a flurry of punches coming your way. <laughs> no, but he he kind of like he knocked me down, and then he didn't he didn't punch me. I couldn't work out why he wasn't punching me. I couldn't like you know you got me now. I'm I'm weak. You've you've I'm down. And then I worked out that what had happened was Chris had come backstage with a microphone and was commentating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a. Spe- and then what the other thing that happened at that gig um, was I said one to, to one of the other there was a, a, a comedian there called it was Claudine something or other. Um, uh, no, not no, Ullman, uh, uh, Bennett. Bennett. And I said to her like, buy me a beer halfway through the show and I'm going to down it and show these guys how tough I am. And she thought I was being serious. So halfway through the show, she brought this beer onto the stage. And then I downed it. And then, um, then I started mocking the guy. And every word I, w- I was saying was, don't fuck me up backstage for this. But, uh, and then I downed the beer. And then everybody started buying me beers. So by the end of it, I was shit-faced. And then the guy that, that Warren had had the, uh, the experience with in the bathroom, his boss had taken him outside and given him a, a bit of a talking to and said, whatever these guys are drinking... You're buying it for them. So naturally, we were like, fuck that. Bring on <laughs> loads of booze. And we were drinking quadruple brandy and Cokes on this guy's bill. And then, and then I got a phone call the next morning from Chris's wife who said, uh, she said, I heard you got, you got fucked up in the club last night. And I said, yeah. She said, ask me how I know. And I said, okay, how do you know? She said, Chris told me four times. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean that was that's like that's that that one's casual. You've done some weird gigs. You did a gig. One of my favorite stories is the the in a strip club, out in uh, out in the East Rand, where well there was a very enthusiastic audience member. I like it. Was, this story. It wasn't an audience member. It was uh, well, oh, well. For those of you who've never been, there, I don't know if this is a good story for for public consumption. Um, <laughs> so uh, for those of you who've never been there, it's a place called Rock Paradise, aka the Pomona Spur, but. Um, <laughs> That's really what they call it, but it's it's not like a spur. They uh, <coughs> they don't serve hamburgers; they serve uh, fur burgers. And uh, and as I always, I don't even get me started on the time I order the Horlicks. But uh, <laughs> I, I I have I have a gag in my set, uh, and I actually can't even remember the the thing where I ask women to show me their breasts, and most women, being normal, will go no. And then and I forgot where I was. And so there was a lady there, and I was like, because I, oh, I'd say, show me your breasts, and I can tell you how old you are. And um, obviously, if I asked you now, you'd say no, yes? You, yeah. But this guy would. No, but um, so like 99.999% of women say no, but I forgot where I was. And this woman, obviously being a stripper, was like, okay. And then she showed me her breast. And then I didn't know what to say because that had never happened before. Um, but in the second half, I was, because I did two sets, uh, then there was another thing where I was talking about how comedians have to come up with new material all the time. And some guy said, no, you don't. Just ask her to show you her tits. <laughs> and so, uh, so I said, okay, I'll do it. But I don't want him to see, so can you come right to the stage and do it again? And she was like, yeah, sure. And she came right to the stage. And then... Um, then showed me her breasts. And I was like, don't worry, girl, I'll describe them to you. And then she took my hand and placed it on one of them. And I was like, well, that's fantastic. And then she took the other hand and placed it on a part of me that um, a married man shouldn't have another woman's <laughs> hand on. And then proceeded to, I was like, I can't back down now. I've called this. So I, I tried to continue the show with this woman's hand on my crotch. <laughs> and uh, 
Needless to say, it didn't work out well. Um, <laughs> but I got paid, so... Uh, no, but I mean, you, you're acting all like uptight now, but uh, a friend of yours has bought you a hooker before. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this is... A <laughs> <laughs> These people are like, well, first yeah, yeah. Over. No, that's... Wow. Um, that's a whole other story where we were in Cape Town. <laughs> and so I was with two, two comedians, and as most of my stories start, I was very drunk, um, and I, I decided to take a nap in this flat where we were living. And... Um, and one of my comedian friends, also being drunk, decided to hire me a prostitute. Um, but they wanted the ugliest prostitute <laughs> they could find. And uh, at the time on Somerset Road, there was quite a selection. Uh, these weren't ladies who, who were doing this because their modeling career failed. Um, <laughs> you know, it was... Uh, so, so not only did they hire her, but they got her to come up to the room and, and recite some of my comedy lines to me. <laughs> So, uh, so at the time, I had a joke about I went out with this woman who told me she had a foot fetish, and I offered to kiss her between her big toes. I'll let you think about it. And uh, and I had another one about um, not having any luck with women, and somebody said, "Tell women what they want to hear." And so I offered to. I told this woman that there was a red hanger sale at Edgar's. Um. So. So now I'm in a strange Cape Town flat with a fluorescent light and I wake up and now the deal was, because this lady's classy, they paid her 50 bucks to come up to the room and chat to me and she put in the the sort of disclaimer that if she closed the deal, then she got another 50. And, um, you know, because like I said, she's classy. And... uh, and so she really wanted to close the deal, you know. Uh, so, so I woke up and she's busy gently caressing my thigh. And she goes, hello, Chris. Pardon the accent because I'm not good at accents. Hello, Chris. Do you know there's a red hanger sale at Edgar's? <laughs> and so now you must, I'm, I woke up and I was like, this is fucking weird. Like, you know, have you ever had that feeling that you're still in a dream? And I've just got this really ugly woman stroking my leg. And uh, she must have been like, I mean, she's she close to a pension. And, um, and then, then I kind of looked at her and then she kind of moved up further and began unbuttoning my shirt and stroking my chest and going, do you want me to kiss you between your big toes? <laughs> and I said, I have no idea where the fuck it came from. I looked at her and I'm very polite. I said, no, thank you, ma'am. I bought from the last guy. <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck that means. So, uh, so now she carries on kind of sexy time with me. And I said to her, I said, whoa, whoa, are you a man or a woman? Because that sort of thing was kind of um, prevalent in those days. I said, are you a man or a woman? And so she unbuttoned her top and said, yeah, look at my dirt. And out came her, her breast, um, sort of bungee jumping down there. And... Um, <laughs> And then I said to her, that doesn't mean a thing. You know, it could be fake or whatever. And it's not like I actually cared because I wasn't going to... Then she started taking off her pants. She said, do you want to see my cunt? And that's when I kind of realized what was going on. I was like, no, I don't want to see your cunt. Um, where the hell are Rob and Snotty? And then they came in and they're like... Bah! <laughs> and they laughed a lot. And I was really upset uh, at the beginning. And then the next morning I woke up and I couldn't stop laughing. But um, So that's when they bought me a hooker. And then, yeah, uh, yeah we, try to, we try to reverse the tables on Snotty a few times, and it never worked out. Why? Because, like, we would send over a shooter and then say it was from that lady over there. 
And then, uh, it, then she came up to him and she'd be like, hey, thanks for the shooter. And he'd just be like, yeah, cool, whatever. And <laughs> weird shit like that. Okay, here's some, some of my fir- first date questions. It's, All uh, right. It's, it's well, questions I ask on first dates that I... Fabulous. I, I haven't got. been on a first date in forever, so I'm very nervous right now. Okay, good. So these are the things... But I, I get my first date questions from, from Yahoo questions. They're very, very important. Um, okay. Uh, how do you know if a guy likes you? Generally, he has an erection. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you can either see it if he's wearing tracksuit pants or you can feel it um, through his popcorn in the movie cinema. That does explain a lot, Chris. I've, I've often thought that you like me, but I didn't realize that was what I was looking for. No, yeah, that's a, a little bit less. Do you go, just go stampeding straight for the, for the erection? Is that the way that this... Not, a, uh, not at all. Um, well, how do you know if a guy likes no, you, Warren? No, I, mean, I don't. That's why I'm asking you. I thought you might know. Yes. Do midgets have night vision? Do midgets have night vision? I would say yes. Yes, they do. Um, obviously, they need to have a little, you know, because they have to compensate for, for other things. So seeing in the dark is, is very important. Because, you know, when you walk, right, you bang your shins into stuff. Right. And if you're a midget, that would be your face. And so you can't, <laughs> you can't have that. Right. No, that's, that's science. Science. Well, it's, it's evolution, really. Yeah, it's, that, that's, uh, that's what that is, for sure. For sure. Okay, if you could travel back in time, right, and you couldn't kill baby Hitler, which baby would you kill? Oh, wow. That's a... <laughs> <laughs> baby Hitler's mother. Okay. That's so disappointing. I wasn't even going to say baby Hitler. <laughs> if you could travel... That's what most people... Most people say, like, if you say to them, could you could travel back in time, what would you do? A lot of people being kind of consciously minded and caring about humanity say that they would go back to and they'd kill, kill baby, baby Hitler. Hitler but he probably looks killing. so cute with his little Hitler moustache. Yeah. But that's would, the thing. That there would be... He'd be like, ta, ta, sticking his little hand up and invading the other baby's cribs. <laughs> like, uh, but that's exactly what's so weird about going back in time to kill baby Hitler is he's not... He's not the Führer. He hasn't done anything wrong. He's just a baby. You well, would maybe he grew up so mean kill a baby because so many people are trying to kill him that have gone back in time. Yeah. Fucking bastards. <laughs> maybe if they just loved him, he would have grown up and, <laughs> and, and done something good with his life. But I, I wonder, like, if there is time travel, maybe they didn't kill Hitler because he wasn't the worst guy. Maybe they went back and they killed other people and they stopped other, like, terrible things. Yeah. You may even consider that. Yeah. Anyway, why does steam come out of my vagina? Why? <laughs> I don't feel you asked me that with the same vigor as you, as you asked last week's podcast. Yeah, yeah. Now, why does steam? Okay. All right, I'll do that is again. Is it because I don't have a vagina? I'll do it. I'll do it more enthusiastically. Why does steam come out of my vagina? Because you have a bacterial infection. <laughs> okay. Science again, Chris. Science. Sorry about that. Because what happens is you've been shagging in the fridge. Um, <laughs> And naturally, because it's cold in there, the moisture from your vagina is slight. It's science again. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> because you used, uh, what do you call that ice that steams? Dry ice? Dry ice. For like dramatic effect. Yes. Like it's a that would be pretty cool. There. That would be like if you finished <laughs> on the job and there was steam coming out. I, <laughs> I would fucking high five myself. I would literally. Walk out, and I'd be like, I've only been there for a minute and 30 seconds, and there's steam coming out. That's amazing. I hope that's not baby Hitler. <laughs> Good callback. Nice, nice. So now, but often, you talk about the early days of stand-up comedy being rock star. You often talk about, like, you talk about that Hurricanes gig 
and uh, and the fact that they used to be groupies. <laughs> I'm a bit concerned right now. No, no, you, you talk about it like like yes. were groupies waiting for the comedians. Why does that not happen anymore? Because the comedians are considerably less attractive than we were in those days. <laughs> I mean, you guys, twenty years later. Because oh yeah, well us as well. Um, no, I think it's because um, what, what, you don't get groupies. No, I've no. seen you after a show. You see, no, when he was saying groupies, you guys can wait at the table. Yeah. <laughs> Two ladies, he said groupies. Two people just got up and walked to the bathroom right away. It's actually not a groupie until all of you are involved. That means you, guy. <laughs> and, and I don't know why. Do you get less groupie action now? I, I, I get, I've never got. No, Hurricanes was mad because comedy was still new. And it's actually a weird thing. Martin Jonas first told me about it. That the more famous you get, the more intimidated women find you. But just being on stage, trying out something new, it seemed to, to right. make the ladies go, hey, he's got a sense of humor and he's not a complete dick. Right, okay. Well, that, that makes sense. Don't be intimidated, Chris. He's going to turn you down anyway. <laughs> like <it's a laughs> well, I'm going to turn some of you down. Um, yeah. But uh, did you die a lot in those early days? I mean, you say you were just up there kind of trying new stuff. Did you, did you die a lot? No, I kicked ass every single time. Really? Okay. I've never died at Hurricanes. I know you've died in It was London. really hard. Hurricanes was one of those places if you died there, you're a shit. Okay, so kind of like the comedy underground a little bit. A little bit like the underground. Um, I can tell you people who did die there. Okay. Uh, Casey B. Dolan. Okay. Died the hardest death I've ever I'm, seen in I'm my life. I'm surprised. She literally got booed and it was the, the easiest the, gig ever. This audience is too young to remember who the fuck do, Casey B. Dolan is. Do any of you know is. who Casey B. Dolan is? Anyone? I like, hope she's not here. She was like the, the number one sexiest woman in the country in, on FHM, like 1994 or something. I don't know, 2000, maybe She 2000. was on the radio with Darren Scott back in the day. Okay, yeah. And any, any woman who's on the radio with Darren Scott is just there to be stupid, basically. Well, she said, she said that was her, how she died. Her opening line was, I get you're all sitting there wondering how the sexiest woman in South Africa can be funny. Cue half the audience going, oh, fuck. And then her second line was, well, I work with Darren Scott. Wow, yeah, that's great. And then it went downhill from there. <laughs> okay, so she's died at Hurricanes. She's died. Who else died at Hurricanes? Uh, there was, there was, there was a, some characters in those days. Uh, they would have made the, the Gilly Aptor's movie about the worst stand-up. There was, there was a couple of interesting dudes. There was a guy who was called Stand-Up Desmond. Okay. He literally changed his name in his ID book. His first name was Stand Up <laughs> and his surname was Desmond. Uh, there was a man called Simon Weber who is a comedy legend because he was completely shit. Uh, but so shit that it was funny. It was brilliant. He was like, the, the guy was fucking nuts. I loved him. He like had setups and punchlines, but they weren't in the same room. Um, <laughs> There was, a, there was a guy called Dale Abrahams, who I hope listens to this podcast because he asked me if I'd book him for one of my gigs. And, um, and I didn't have the heart to say, no, Dale, you're really shit. And now, now you, you do? Well, I've, via this medium, like over the phone when he calls me, I'm nice. <laughs> yeah, because you, you, you make your, yourself famous by, by being nice to people, really. I like I to mean, think it's your, it's being funny is part of it. No, uh, Chris. No, Chris. Look, we've, we've heard you do stand-up. Well, ask this guy. He's, uh, do you like me because I'm nice? <laughs> I, I'm he waiting. licked his lips, Chris. I saw him lick his lips. No, he's got a mouthful of chips. So it's, <laughs> it's a trick I learned from the waiters at the spur. Um, like, wait till a guy's got a mouthful of shit and then ask him a question. Good. I don't want to talk about other people dying anymore. It's mean. I want to talk about you dying. 
I want to hear about times you died. I know you died in London. You've told me that story. I died in London at a place in Greenwich called Up the Creek. <laughs> Why is that funny to that woman? It was, it was the worst thing. Of, it was, you, you know, like I said to, to, to Warren now, like when I started out in my career, I was doing very well. I was just kicking ass. I did this deadpan thing that nobody else in South Africa was doing, and it was, it was, it was going very nicely for me. And then uh, I went to London, and uh, everyone was like, oh, you're wasted in South Africa. Go to, go to the UK. You'll do far better there. And then I went there, and on my first gig, I was on the same stage as the dude who'd won Young Stand-Up of the Year. And I like completely kicked his ass, and I had this massive ego, and my head was huge. And I went to Up the Creek, and I'm like, woo, international comic, I've arrived. And then I just fucking died for like half an hour. The crowd started going, yeah, shit, mate, yeah, shit. And in South Africa, if they don't like you, they just keep quiet and kind of start talking amongst themselves. <laughs> but in London, they're like not shy. So I went on stage and I was doing all this stuff and, and nothing. And then like three minutes into it, I'm going, fuck, this is not the same crowd from last night. And, and then one of the, like I said, the guy piped up and he went, yeah, shit, mate. And then I like finished the joke and um, nobody laughed. And I said, maybe you're right. Maybe I am shit. And then that got a bit of a smile. And then somebody else said, uh, why don't you fuck off? And uh, <laughs> that's genuinely what happened. I, I'm not sure what's going on there. But uh, no, it's okay. I thought maybe it was one of the dudes from the gig. And, uh, and then somebody else was like, you fat fuck. And then, uh, then I was like, hey, guys, why don't you cut out the middleman and just shout at each other? And, uh, <laughs> and then right at the end... Um, then I, I said, okay, that's me, I'm going to go. And there was this massive sarcastic applause after 20 minutes. And then I said, Malcolm, they're loving me, I'm going to stay. And then I laughed, and those were the only laughs I got in <laughs> 20 minutes. And then I went home and comfort ate for like three hours. But wasn't and it up masturbated the using my tears as lube. <laughs> it was a hate wank. Um, We've gone back to that for you. Yes, I'm so sad inside now, Chris. <laughs> so was so I. So sad inside. Um, no, but you said, you told me that Up the Creek was also the place where you got the worst intro you've ever gotten. Oh, yes. There was a, the, it was owned by a legend. His name was Malcolm Hardy. And uh, he's famous uh, in, in English stand-up circles because he's insane. And um, he said, because in those days, it, we're going back, I'm very old. Uh, white South Africans were not very popular in England because they thought we were all racist bastards. Psh. And um, so they, like, hated you right off the bat. So he said, how do you want me to introduce you? I said, you can say whatever you like. Just please don't mention that I'm from South Africa. And he said, all right. And he went on stage and said, hello, everyone. Uh, so uh, Pope's just, Pope's going to die soon. Um, they're going to have a reality TV show to replace him. They're going to call it Pope Idols. And then he said, uh, uh, our first act hasn't turned up, so my friend from South Africa's here. Um, I was in South Africa not so long ago. I didn't know what kind of material to do, so I did this joke. I said, why can't Stevie Wonder read all right? Because he's black. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, all the way from South Africa, my friend Chris Forrest. And that's how, how I got introed and, uh, and just got hate for 20 minutes then. <laughs> I, I can see why you gave up trying to move to London. Um, <laughs> That, that kind of works. Though I'm sad that you did give up because it would have been nice if you lived there still. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, here are some. Uh, <laughs> here are some uh, some first date questions. How do I get YouTube to come and film me? How do you get YouTube to come and film you? Yes. Um, do something completely fucking stupid. Yeah. Like maybe if you had to uh, go to a spur, right? Right. 
and then then shouted a woman and offered to give her a puss club. I guarantee you, that shit would be everywhere. Right, good. I will do that tomorrow. Have you ever done a murder? Have I ever done a murder? Yeah. Um, As in like one of those games where everyone gets dressed up and then one of you is the murderer. No, like a proper, like have you killed someone, have you done a murder? Someone, I've killed a lot of pigeons. I I kill those motherfuckers and rats. Dude, (laughs) I kill rats regularly. people? I don't think I've killed a person. When's, what's the closest you came to killing a person? Um, I, I, I wouldn't be able to answer that legally. Have you ever like, had somebody at, at a gig threaten to fight you? I have. I'm just looking at that dude now to make sure he's not going to copy it. Um, <laughs> no, I did, I did a gig that was a complete disaster. I was emceeing a, a rock festival. And the woman who organized it was brilliant at organizing everything except for a crowd. So there was only about 20 <laughs> people there. And, and she had all these prizes to give away because she was good at organizing the stuff. And then I ran out of reasons to, to give prizes away. So, um, so everyone had a prize. And I was like, you get a prize, you get a prize. And then she said, you have to, like Oprah. And then she said, you can't just give the prizes away. You have to, but they'd named all the bands and they'd done all the things. So I was like, uh, well, you've got nice breasts. Yeah, I have a prize. And um, <laughs> is that what you said? Wow. No, but well, I think she's hoping for a prize, Chris. Anna. <laughs> 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 <And>, uh, <laughs> so uh, giving away my stuff. <laughs> she didn't. She rejected it. Can Warren have his pen back, please? Um, so, so after the show, this this dude's talking to me, and I'm not saying he was short, but he probably had night vision, and um, <laughs> and so. He, he came up to me, he's talking to me at the bar, and he's asking me all these questions about stand-up, and I'm a friendly dude, so I'm chatting to him. And then he says, so has anyone ever offered, asked, wanted to fight you after a gig? And I said, no. And he said, because I didn't like what you said <laughs> to that chick when you told her she had nice breasts. And I said, why have you not seen them? And, <laughs> and he said, no. And then I said, okay, well, is it your sister? And he said, no. And I said, is it your girlfriend? And he said, no, but she might give me her number later. So, (laughs) wow. And I was like, what does that even mean? He said, no, I spoke to her earlier and I said, will you give me your number? And she said, later. And (laughs) (laughs) I shit you not. And um, and so he said, so I want to fight you. And I was like, well, I really don't want to fight you. And then he was like, no, but I'm going to fuck you up after. I was like, okay, well, if you want to. Go outside and wait for me. I'll be there in an hour or two. <laughs> and the more this guy was like, I just really, let's go and fight. I was like, I just couldn't be asked, dude. You're like, a, you're tiny. And, and they would just be mean. And then, and then he started giving me his fighting credentials because my wife was with me. And uh, he was like, well, I went to a Chinese school. <laughs> so, like, obviously he must be good at Kung Fu or something. I don't know. <laughs> it, was, it was a really, really weird experience. And then, then I was like kind of looking and I thought maybe like there's some other conspiracy and he's got big friends and they send him along as the bait because it was in Pretoria so you never know you know these guys they look for they do that that thing of they also they grow them big out there they grow them big and they they're partial to a bit of fisticuffs from time to time um and so when we when we left I said to to my wife you just maybe go ahead (laughs) start the car and just (laughs) If like 10 guys jump out the bush, then, then drive up quickly. But if it's just this dude, I'll just do that thing where you hold his head <laughs> at arm's length while he swings. But no, he, he wasn't there when I left. 
Okay. Did you ever think, was there a moment where you thought, I'm going to let this guy fuck me up in the parking lot so that he can get that girl's number? No. There's another time I've nearly been beaten up, actually. Oh, really? Okay. But it, it, was a, it was at a biker rally. And if you ever go to those, those, those are the kind of guys you see at the spur shouting at women. And, um, and I was talking to this guy, and he was like, fuck you. How dare you say that to me? And I can't even remember what I said. And then he was like, he literally pulled out a knife, and he came at me at the stage. And I said to him, dude, look at the size of your blade and look at the size of my stomach. That's not going to touch any vital organs. Like, fucking think about things. And then he started kind of laughing, and eventually he, he kind of stopped and smiled. Wow. Wow. I've, I've never had a, a weapon pulled on me. Ever. No, but you have been beaten backstage. <laughs> yeah, I have. I have. I'm very proud of that. I'm glad By that your that agent. happened to me. Um, yeah, I'm, gla- <laughs> I'm glad that that happened to me. Uh, can you be a good person and still listen to Steve Hoffman? No. You can't even be a hearing person and listen to Steve Hoffman. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone here like Steve Hoffman? There's a rumor. This guy in the front who's, who's just like. Are you a Steve Hoffman fan? <laughs> I, I think so. You are? Okay, fair enough. Um, no, he that. no, you don't want to say any shit about that because Steve Hoffman's fans actually will fuck you up after the show. They, uh, they don't care. They will. No, he's just lying. Yeah, no, he knows no, who Steve Hoffman is. he's, he's yeah, yeah. switched it. Who's Steve Hoffman? Oh, I don't know him. No, he, he knows who, who Steve Hoffman is. This is actually, you and I have done this before, this kind of podcast thing, because uh, we had a show on Two Oceans Vibe, which also had about eight listeners. I prefer to say Balls Radio, because they had at least double that. Yes, yes. We got a, we got a message. Uh, we, we did Two Oceans Vibe for a year, Two Oceans Online Radio, and we did it for like a year, and they sent us this really excited email where they were like, Guys, you've improved the listenership in your section by like 150%. You've grown it from 14 people to like 28. And we were like, wow, that's amazing. 28 listeners. That was when we quit Two Oceans That is exactly when we quit Two Oceans Because originally when we went there, I don't know if anyone remembers the scandal. They told us we had 50,000 listeners. And we were like, whoop, whoop, 50,000. And then we were like, why is nobody tweeting us when we say tweets? And then it became apparent when it was like 14 and one of those was my wife and the other one was her friend. <laughs> and your friend, Rob Slob from and London. And Rob Slob yeah. from, yeah. From London, yeah. That was, that was, that was good times. So anyway, hopefully this will get more listeners than that. Ladies and gentlemen, the wonderful Chris Forrest. Hey. hey, hey.